Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, time for our weekly three points segment brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. How do you cash back? Now, so for those of you guys who don't remember from last week, this particular segment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to target specific matchups that I'm watching in three series here in the first round. Now, of our eight first round series, five of them are either three to one or over. So we are going to focus on the other three series that are all still being contested relatively evenly. The Lakers are up 2-1 on the Grizzlies. The Warriors are tied 2-2 with the Sacramento Kings, and the Miami Heat have a 2-1 lead over the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo returning tonight. So we're going to focus on those three series. Let's start with Warriors-Kings. So, series tied at two. Both teams are really struggling to contain the opposing star. Both De'Aaron Fox and Steph Curry are averaging 32 points per game in the series. So, to me, the major matchup down the stretch in these final three games, three-game series, first one to win two, two of the games in Sacramento— Who's going to be able to get stops on the opposing star? I think in large part over the course of the series, as you've seen, the Warriors, when they go on their run in the middle of the fourth quarter last night, it's Steph Curry doing everything. Late in the game, when the Kings get back into it to buy themselves a chance with the Harrison Barnes three on the left wing to win the game, it's De'Aaron Fox doing everything and getting where he wants to on the floor. Whoever ends up getting consistent stops against the opposing star is going to win this series, in my opinion. So let's take a look at it from both sides. Let's start with the Warriors guarding Fox. Now, I expected them to go heavy into Gary Payton II in this series, and they have not done so. As a matter of fact, if you guys remember, I talked a lot about a specific lineup that they used in Game 1 and Game 2 that worked well, and that was Steph and Clay with Gary Payton, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. That lineup was plus 5 per 100 possessions and just under 40 possessions in the first two games, both on the road. And I thought that was the lineup that they would end up going to, especially in clutch situations in this series. Instead, they have not done that. 
They did not use that lineup at all in the two home games. As a matter of fact, they went with a lot of Jordan Poole, and then when Jordan Poole started struggling and had that bad turnover late in the game last night, they ended up going with Kevon Looney down the stretch, going big. And it ended up working out. They got the win. Um, they've been doing, uh, in on-ball situations, they've been going with Draymond Green on Deer and Fox and having Andrew Wiggins guard Malik Monk. Now, they've been trying Draymond Green guarding Deer and Fox with some success all, since all the way back when they were playing in November. So that matchup has actually worked okay with them. But here's why I'd like to see them use Gary Payton more. First of all, they flat out don't need Jordan Poole's offense with that group. Um, last night, even though he did make a lot of plays throughout the game, down the stretch of the game, not so much. I thought he took a bad three. Um, uh, he left a pull-up mid-range jump shot way short of the rim, had that really bad turnover to Clay Thompson in the corner. His execution issues actually become an even bigger problem on that stage. So I understand going defense with that group, but instead of Kevon Looney, I would go with Gary Payton. And the main reason why is transition cross matches. So, uh, you know, the Warriors in general, they're going to take a lot of threes, right? And when you take a lot of threes, they lead to a lot of long rebounds. And they also have a lot of guys who like to attack the offensive glass. And so as a result of that, a lot of times they're giving up transition opportunities the other way. And, you know, transition defense is about stopping that first action, right? Or stopping that first basket, like the run out for a layup or the run out drop off for a guy in the corner for three or the trailer for the three. You want to stop that action and force them to play in the half court. But transition defensive principles are just get back and grab somebody. You're not running back to your matchup. It's every man for him. It's every man just needs to sprint back and then spread out from there. And so a lot of times, like, Whoever's the first guy back is going to pick up the ball. And then whoever the second guy is back is going to grab the second guy. So you end up with all these cross matches. And whoever's supposed to be guarding Darren Fox might not be. He might be guarding someone else or vice versa. Having three guys in the lineup that can guard Darren Fox instead of two. So having Draymond, Gary Payton, and Andrew Wiggins together... That, I believe, gives you a much better chance of keeping a good defensive player on the Aaron Fox. Not to mention that Steph and Clay have both held up pretty well defensively in the series in switches when they've needed to. So I just think that gives you a much better chance of getting stops. So if it were up to me, I'd like to see the Warriors play a little bit more Gary Payton as they head on the road into Sacramento. Now, on the Kings front, when they're dealing with Steph... They're having the most success with Davion Mitchell on the floor. De'Aaron Fox has done okay guarding Steph. The problem is, is like you saw in that final possession where he got that wide open floater, the one he missed right before the Harrison Barnes shot, he just can go right around De'Aaron Fox because he's got a lower center of gravity. And Steph is actually like a deceptively pretty strong dude, right? And Davion Mitchell has a lower center of gravity than Steph and can beat him to spots. And so he really needs screens and pump fakes and things like that to shake free of him. He actually makes Steph work much, much harder. But similarly to the Gary Payton thing, although not to the same extent, Mike Brown hasn't played him a ton. He's played under 100 minutes in this series. And you saw last night, he was kind of going back and forth between between playing Keegan Murray or Davion Mitchell down the stretch. And I didn't think it was a coincidence that it was like, okay, we got Keegan Murray on the floor with Davion Mitchell on the bench and Steph goes off, right? Scores all these baskets. Right under three minutes left, Mike Brown brings on Davion Mitchell. Steph doesn't score for a while. And actually, Davion does a, a really nice job. Then down the, uh, in the final minute, Mike Brown goes back to Keegan Murray, takes Davion Mitchell out, 
De'Aaron Fox is guarding Steph, and Steph goes right around him and gets a wide-open floater that he ended up missing, but was one of his best looks of the night in a shot that Steph hits like 60% of the time. And so I would like to see them just kind of lean on Davion Mitchell a little bit more. I understand the advantage of Keegan Murray, right? It's about pulling uh, Keegan Murray had a great shooting night. He's being guarded more closely. You're creating spacing. But De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, both in particular, are kind of just shot hunting. They're not looking to pass a ton when they're getting downhill. As a matter of fact, that was a big problem for them in the fourth quarter as they were forcing shots over Andrew Wiggins and getting blocked or Malik Monk barreling down the floor in transition, forcing something to the rim. Those guys are kind of tunnel vision right now. So they're not. I'm not worried necessarily about them beating you with the pass. Even on the play where Harrison Barnes got the wide open three, it was because De'Aaron Fox literally had nowhere else to go at that point. And so I'd like to see them uh, play a little bit more Davion Mitchell, understanding that even if Golden State helps off of him, it's not like they were going to make those passes to those shooters to begin with. Um, again, we got to we got to separate shot quality from result. In a small sample size, if you play really great defense, a guy might make a shot. But in three games, in three clutch situations, there's going to be dozens and dozens of possessions, and the team that creates better shots is probably going to win. And so getting the right defensive personnel out there to make the shots more difficult, I think, is going to go a long way towards swinging the outcome. All right, moving on to Heat Bucks. I think Giannis needs to come back and guard Jimmy Butler. Now, I talked a lot about this in uh, a show, or two shows ago, if I remember correctly, um, about this idea that I'm not worried about the Bucs at all until Giannis said he wasn't going to play in Game 4, which didn't happen. I saw a report this morning that Giannis plans on playing tonight. Big shock. They fell down 2-1 in the series. I think that he would have played in Game 3 if they were in a worse predicament, but they had just won in dominating fashion in Game 2. Uh, without Giannis, and so I think they thought they could go get Game 3 without Giannis, and now they realize that they can't. They've got to play him to beat Miami, and Miami's in a very interesting predicament now because Victor Oladipo, in some very tragic news, has has uh, ruptured his uh, patella tendon in his left knee, so he's obviously not going to play anymore in the series. Tyler Harrow has broken his hand. They're going deep into the bench to guys like Duncan Robinson, right? So, like, we're in a situation now where Miami just does not have a lot of shot creation. But Jimmy Butler has been phenomenal in this series. He's averaging 30 points per game, shooting 60% from the field, 67% from three, and a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. has 18 assists to just six Turnovers. Now, Mike Budenholzer typically likes to put Giannis in help. So even when Giannis has been healthy in this series, they've tucked him on Gabe Vincent and had uh, uh, Drew Holiday guard Jimmy Butler. And Drew Holiday is one of the all-time great defensive players in this league, but he has typically struggled, especially in uber-physical environments against the bigger, stronger wings in the league. I've seen Guys like LeBron give Drew Holiday uh, problems. I've seen guys like Jimmy Butler give Drew Holiday problems over the years. And in this game, he was scoring on him in the post, shooting over the top of him, beating him off the dribble. He's just too big and strong for a guy like Drew Holiday, unfortunately. He's been way too comfortable in this series. He's not bothering him enough. Now, the idea there is Bud likes to keep... um, Giannis in help because Giannis is a devastating low man help defender and there is a lot of value to that in the defense but specifically with a heat team like this where if you cut the head off the snake if you can get Jimmy Butler to start struggling this team will not be able to score and you can quickly rip off three wins and end this series in six games if you can control Jimmy Butler. 
Secondly, Giannis has guarded guys like this really well in his career. We've talked a lot this season. There was one of my favorite games this year. It was a win by the Bucks over the Clippers. We're down the stretch of the game. Giannis switched on to Kawhi Leonard and locked his ass up. Those big forwards, he's too strong. He can absorb the, that contact in the chest without giving up position. And then when he needs to close ground to contest, he's got the length to contest. So, like, Drew on Jimmy's just not working. Uh specifically having Giannis on Jimmy is a matchup that I believe he can win. And I'm not concerned as much about the help defense part as long as you can contain Jimmy just because there's not enough skill on the floor. Finally, it is smarter tactically, in my opinion, to keep Giannis closer to the ball. One of the problems with putting Giannis in help in this particular series is Eric Spolstra has a very clear strategy here. It's, we've got Bam and Jimmy. And it's three shooters around them at all times. Three guys that are dead-eye knockdown shooters. And so by putting Giannis in help, he's being pulled further away from the rim. Now, in a, let's pretend, like, bread and butter, the Jimmy Bam pick and roll. Now you're asking either Giannis to chase over the top of screens or to switch Brooke Lopez out onto the perimeter. But again, Bam, Bam at a bio is continuing to demonstrate a struggle offensively to be aggressive and 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 dangerous when he has the ball in his hands. So I would even just switch that Brooke Lopez-Giannis action with the Jimmy Bam pick and roll, have Brooke press up a little bit, and now you have Giannis in help. Except for he's in help in a situation on Bam at a bio where he's close to the rim. So specifically from a tactical perspective, putting uh, Giannis on Jimmy in isolations, keeps him close to their most dangerous offensive player, and in pick-and-roll situations, helps him to stay closer to the rim. I think that is the right strategy. And again, with a Tyler Harrow and Victor Oladipo out, cut the head off the snake, this team will not be able to score. All right, lastly, before we get out of here, our third point, moving forward to Lakers-Grizzlies. Can the Lakers play with consistent focus and energy? I believe that the Lakers are a much much better team than the Memphis Grizzlies. I believe that going into the series, the reason I picked the Lakers in six is because they have a tendency to play with inconsistent effort. But when they have played hard, I think they've been the much better team. Game one, they dominated the glass 45-34 to 34 in rebounds. They got way better shots. They shot 6% better from the field. I didn't think that was just a shot variance type of game. I thought the Lakers looked like a better team throughout the game. Then the first quarter of game three, they out-rebounded Memphis 20-12. to 12. They made 14 field goals in that quarter compared to just three for Memphis, and they forced them into six turnovers. In the series, the Lakers have made 18 shots per game in the restricted area and have held the Grizzlies to just 13.7 made shots in the restricted area per game, which is massively inflated by them just letting John Morant run a layup line in the, first, uh, in the fourth quarter of game two or game three. As a matter of fact, in the regular season, Memphis averaged 19.3 makes in the restricted area per game, which ranked 7th in the league, and the Lakers have brought them down from 19.3 to 13.7, basically shutting off the rim from them. I think the Lakers are bigger. I think they're stronger. I think they're more skilled. I think their stars are better. I think their role players are better. I think they're just better. But every single time they've taken a position of advantage in the series, they've relaxed. They controlled game one, 
and then immediately laid an egg in game two against them without jaw. Which, without jaw defensively, if they were locked in, they would have held them in the 60s. Or at least in the 70s or 80s if they gave two and a half quarters of solid effort. Nope. Mailed it in. Got beat. Then they dominate the first quarter of game two. I tweet right after the quarter. Expect them to do the bare minimum the rest of the game. They do. They barely win by 10 points. As a matter of fact, I think the Lakers will beat the Grizzlies. I feel very confident about that. But it is a question of how long it will take. And like I said last night, this specific tendency of theirs to let their foot off the gas, I think could get them beat as soon as next round against Golden State and Sacramento. But specifically within this series, the difference between the Lakers winning in five or winning in six is going to come down to that consistency of effort. And I believe it's very important for them to win this series quickly because Golden State-Sacramento very well might go seven. Even if the Warriors won game five, Sacramento is a dangerous team to come into Golden State and win game six. They just damn near beat them in game four. As a matter of fact, I'd say odds are that series goes seven. I picked Warriors in six. I'm going to stick with it, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it went seven. So if that series goes seven and you can beat Memphis in five, that means, as a matter of fact, I believe that uh, game five would be on Wednesday, right? So for Warriors Kings, we have their game, uh, their game five is also on Wednesday. So that means that their game six would be on Friday and their game seven would be on Sunday, which would mean that game one of the following series would stay start no earlier than Tuesday if the series went to seven games and would start Sunday if it ended in six. So if you end the series in five games, if you win on Wednesday, then you are guaranteed Thursday, Friday, Saturday off. That's three days, three full days, a day to completely rest their bodies, a light day to schematically go over what they want to do in round two, and then maybe a hard practice day the day before the game. That, that, that's, that's the worst case scenario if you close the series out in five. If you close the series out in five and, and Kings Warriors goes to seven, you're not playing until Tuesday at the earliest. So you're guaranteed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. That's five full calendar days at a minimum. If the uh, Grizzly, if the Warriors Kings series goes seven, and you're dealing with two superstars that wholly represent the ceiling of your team that are coming off of foot injuries, one of them stress related, the other a ligament tear that was also stress related. So it's vitally important for the Lakers to close this series out quickly, and that's why I think it's such an important matchup in this series. My three points were brought to you by Chase Freedom Unlimited. Earn 5% on travel purchase through Chase, 3% on dining, including takeout, 3% at drugstores, and 1.5% on everything else. How do you cash back? All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support. We will be back live on AMP after the final buzzer of Lakers Grizzlies later tonight to break down that game as well as game four between the Bucks and the Heat. I appreciate you guys. I'll see you later tonight. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. 
While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.